Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Meryl Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. Today, I'd like to talk about the medical aid in dying or death with dignity statutes that some states have and and how you can use them, where you can use them. Oh, this is such a topic of distress for me because I'm so torn. What are your thoughts? Well, Colorado has such a statute. Um, People started using it in 2017. I just this year have had a couple clients who have tried to use it, one successfully and one not successfully, um, and their situations were very different. So let's be clear what we're talking about. We're talking about legislation that allows people to request assistance in dying. So it's assisted suicide. So a really topic of discussion that was recent was a 17-year-old girl in Belgium recently killed herself using assisted suicide legally. Um, And she was a rape victim and she said she didn't want to live and she struggled with mental illness after she had been um, molested and raped. And is 17 too young? On the other hand, I have elderly clients and they are ready to be done, as they tell me, but I don't want them to be ready to be done because their children think it's time for them to be done and they're spending money. I'm so torn. I, I agree, and, and I think it's easier when there's a clear-cut diagnosis. And, and so the two clients I had, one um, had been diagnosed with ALS here in Colorado. Another did not have a diagnosis of any sort. She knew her life was ending and they approached it in two completely different ways because one could use the statute with the ALS diagnosis and the other client could not because she didn't have a diagnosis. So let's let's talk about the states that have them here in the United States. Okay, because Florida does not and it is not on any radar screen. And so talk to me about, I mean, obviously Colorado has one. Colorado has it, California, Hawaii, New Jersey, which is the newest one, just became effective August 1st of 2019, Oregon, Vermont, Washington State, and the District of Columbia all have statutes. They have various names like Medical Aid and Dying, End of Life Options Act, Death with Dignity Act, um, Oregon's is the Oregon Death with Dignity Act, Vermont's is the Patient Choice and Control at the End of Life Act. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And Montana does not have a statute, but their Supreme Court ruled a decade or so ago that nothing in state law prohibits a doctor from prescribing meds to honor a terminally ill, mentally competent patient's wishes. And so speaking specifically to the Colorado Act, there are a lot of hurdles that need to be jumped in order to use the act. Um, There needs to be a diagnosis by two doctors of fewer than six months to live. Okay. The patient needs to be mentally competent to make that decision. An agent under a power of attorney in Colorado cannot make that decision uh, for the patient. And there needs to be two verbal requests, at least 15 days apart, and then a written request on a prescribed form um, to get the doctor to prescribe the medications. 
And in Colorado, the patient has to be able to self-administer those medications. So So if you're physically unable to swallow or if you're physically unable to bring the medication to your mouth, what are your options? I I don't know. I haven't encountered that yet. Um, And and I think that's part of the, at least in Colorado, the choice to take the medications yourself. And if they're being administered to you, you're not making that choice at the time. That's your ending yeah. your life. Well, I, I know with recent family history with ALS, one of the first things that she lost was the ability to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, however, she then went on a feeding tube, so I guess she could self-administer into the feeding tube. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm all about people's right to choose, but my concern is how vulnerable my elderly clients can be, and I don't want them to feel pressured into dying sooner than they naturally would because it would be more convenient or more financially advisable for their children Mm -hmm. if they died now. And I can see that pressure being put on people. And I can see that too. It hasn't happened in, in the two situations that I've encountered. I also wonder how much of that onus is on the doctor or the two doctors prescribing to make that determination? Or is it truly their choice to do this? And, and what sort of documentation goes into the doctor's file? Well, I guess thinking on as a, as a professional for the physicians who would have to deal with this, it wouldn't be much different than our discretion as attorneys for when our elderly clients or our vulnerable clients want to come in and change their estate plan and we have to decide if there was undue influence. Mm -hmm. So it's really just an undue influence issue that the physicians would have to follow as much as we do with an estate plan change. Right, right. And and the other client I encountered who didn't have a diagnosis um, reached out to a couple hospice facilities to assist in her aid and dying decision. They would not participate. Um, She chose to voluntarily stop eating and drinking um, and ended her life that way. It was a long process and and much different, I think, end-of-life experience for her than someone who can take a prescribed medication and end their life in a much quicker manner. The If a patient uses the aid in dying statute, their death certificate shows that they died of the underlying terminal diagnosis and not suicide. The client of mine that ended her life by voluntarily stopping eating and drinking, her death certificate shows inanition as the cause of death, which is essentially the failure to thrive or desire to continue living. You spell that I N I N A N A T I O N. Yes. I've just sounded out. Yes. Yeah. Inanition. Well, you know, when my mother was dying, she had something called Barrett's esophagus, which is similar to endometriosis except of your throat. And so basically her throat closed up and she could no longer swallow enough to keep her alive. And could she have lived longer if she had gotten a feeding tube? Yes, absolutely. Did she want to? No. So we watched my mother die 
for months, and it took her months, and we called her our little Irish freedom fighter because this tiny little, I will not say her age because she lied about it for years, um, but this little tiny woman just shrank and stopped eating, and it took over three months, and it broke our hearts, but she had her mental capacity until the day she died, and knew exactly what she was doing and didn't want a feeding tube. Now, if she had had the option to do assisted suicide, would she have done that? I think she probably would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think, you know, going back to what do I think about it and what age is the right age and are they being unduly influenced, I feel the safety net of these aid in dying statutes is that there has to be a diagnosis of a terminal condition. Um, and absent that, I have a hard time giving counsel on it because until I really know the background, I think doctors would refuse to prescribe. They're protected by not prescribing without the diagnosis. So my client who did not go to the doctor, and she had, I'm not a medical professional, but by appearances, Parkinson's, um, but she had... Oh, I practice medicine without license all the time. (laughs) She, (laughs) She hadn't been to the doctor in 16 years. She knew her body wasn't what it used to be, and and she made that decision. She was in her 70s and felt she'd lived a full life, going back to the young lady from Belgium. Belgium, um, I don't know that there was a terminal diagnosis. She wanted to end her life, and she had some some mental health issues from previous trauma and probably PTSD. Again, not a medical professional, but I think... Knowing there's a terminal diagnosis gives me comfort as a, as a practitioner that if there's the terminal diagnosis, right or wrong, I feel like there's less pressure from the family members mm-hmm. because the person's demise is more imminent than just mom's getting old and wants to leave more to her kids and not spending on, spend it on care. And I think... One of the things that bothered me so much, and of course, you know, I get all my news from the National Enquirer, so I don't know anything about this poor, sweet 17-year-old in Belgium, but if it were mental health issues and if it were depression, I don't think those are terminal conditions. I mean, obviously I'm wrong, or the Belgium law allows it for reasons other than terminal conditions then. I'm surmising. I don't know the answer to that because that just, that one kind of... I'm unsettled with that decision because she was so young. Right. And I am such a half full girl that it just, it seems to me that perhaps there was something that could help her. But, you know, mental health issues, there is not a lot of help for that. Right. Certainly not in the United States. So I can see how she got herself in that position. I just, it makes me so sad. It does. It's, and and I... Again, not knowing Belgium's law, one of the commonalities in all states and Washington, D.C., um, for the aid and dying statute is that there is a terminal diagnosis. That's probably the first hurdle folks have to clear. Um, I haven't researched all the states to see how often it's used. Colorado provides statistics, um, and you can find them online for 2017 and 2018, So Colorado publishes the statistics every year of how many prescriptions were issued under the aid in dying and how many people died, but there's no link to did, there's no way to know if the people who died, died taking the prescription or if they died of the terminal condition itself. 
You can find those statistics on the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment website. Okay, if I'm looking for those statistics, I know where to go now. <laughs> well, I think states are going to, there will be more states that do this. I just don't see it happening in Florida anytime soon, but I could be surprised. Yeah, and, and I think too, when when looking at who gets to use it, I remember the first time I heard about this, it was a younger woman who I think lived in California when they didn't have a statute, and she moved to Oregon because Oregon had the statute, and you had to be a resident, I think, of Oregon for a period of time um, before you could enact that stat or uh, operate under the statute, and it made the news. And I, I think from that, more states enacted it, but she was quite young, and I believe there was more of an uproar and discomfort about it given her age, because I, I think she was in her late 20s, early 30s, versus someone who's in their 60s or 70s or 80s enacting the statute. Well, there's so, a whole book on this. You know, the Jojo Moyes book, Me Before You, was yes. about the dreamy English man who became paralyzed and decided he was going to go to, I believe, Sweden for to enact their, use their laws. I had a client years and years and years ago, honestly, it had to be more than 10 years ago, who wanted me to put in his documents that if he were terminally ill, his agent would move him to the Netherlands to, or to Sweden and take use of their laws for assisted suicide. And I said, well, I can do that. I said, but I don't, I think under the public policy rules of Florida, we could be getting your agent in trouble. And I said, there's all sorts of laws about how long you have to live there and what you need to do. So um, I did it. And I mean, I wrote that I wrote it up, but I have no idea if he ever used it. He wasn't sick at the time. He was just thinking ahead. And then he moved out of this area. So he's no longer my client. Well, we do. And we talk to our clients about their living wills and what selections they're going to make in their living wills. We do talk about quite often the Colorado aid and dying statutes and, and how they come into play and when you can use them. It's not something you can plan for now. It's something you can't plan for until there's a diagnosis. Um, but it is a conversation we have, and I think in states that have those statutes, and as more states get them, it'll be a more common conversation. We, I have clients who live in Kansas and Nebraska, and I practice there. We don't have those same conversations because those states don't have right, statutes. Right, right. So that so. is truly the assisted suicide is not something I talk to my clients about because it's not an option here. Right. And if they asked, I think you would have to say... There are states that have it. Right. You and can't you do have it to here. move. You can't stay yeah. here and do it. You have to move. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Meryl Bailey. And I'm Crystal Woodbury. Thanks for joining us. Go dazzle your clients like a tax boss.